I'm Daria Rose, and this is The Foodist Podcast, where real people use real food to get healthy and lose weight without dieting. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Foodist Podcast. I'm Daria Rose, and today I'm talking to Julie. Julie spent over a decade of her life suffering from body dysmorphia. And one of the things about body dysmorphia is you typically don't realize you have it for quite a while. Body dysmorphia is when you have an obsessive focus on something that you perceive is a major flaw in your body. You're always looking at it, judging yourself, trying to hide it from others, trying to cover it up in photos and with your clothing. Uh, It's truly disruptive and very, very unhealthy from a psychological perspective because it's just so all-encompassing and it's so, so negative. Julie was able to recognize this finally a few years ago and was able to, instead of hating her body, learn to love her body and really truly appreciate everything she can do with it and how amazing it truly is. And just hearing her talk about how different her life is now, how far she's come, how she is happy, how she has joy, how the obsession and all the pain that came with it and all the dieting is is gone. And it's such an amazing thing to hear her explain how she now feels and how what a contrast it is from how she used to feel. Julie is also, over the years, um, because this was such a tremendous change for her, she's become a health coach. And if you're interested in learning more about her or her services, you can check out her website, Whole Body Health, and that's wbhcoach.com. And you can learn more about her and her services there. So Thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Hey, Julie, welcome to the show. Hi. How are you today? (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. The sun is coming out here in Berkeley, California. I'm excited for that. How are you? I'm great. And it's it's lovely to be talking to someone in the Bay Area, my my old stomping grounds. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you've been a longtime reader and fan of Summer Tomato, and we've been communicating throughout the years. And I know that you have a really special story to share. So why don't you start by telling us sort of where you started out before, before you started making serious health style changes? Yeah. um, Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Um, It's honestly really special um, for me to be on your podcast. Um, Your blog and your book have truly um, changed my life, which I'll discuss more um, a little bit later. But um, yeah, so my story, I think like many of us, um, started in high school. Um, I suffered from um, body dysmorphia. Um, And for those of you who may not um, know what body dysmorphia is, I mean, it looks different for everybody. Um, But basically, um, whenever I looked in the mirror, I saw someone completely different. I saw someone who was overweight, um, someone who had very large thighs and, you know, 
didn't fit the mold um, that I thought that I should be fitting. Um, and it was ex it was extreme. Um, I couldn't pass a mirror without passing extreme judgment on myself. Um, and at times it was, you know, very debilitating. And it actually continued into my late 20s. Um, and I kind of suffered through it silently. Um, Can I ask but, you a question? Did you know that, I mean, because it, that, it sounds like fundamentally that's a... Uh, a psychological condition where it seems like you wouldn't know, like you believe what you see. Yeah. So I honestly, until I got into the field of nutrition, um, I didn't realize I had it until I started, you know, doing some research and also working with people who have eating disorders. Um, and I was like, wow, I, suffered for so long with this. And I didn't even know that like my line of thinking was so unhealthy. I thought it was, I guess I hate the word normal, but for the lack of better terms, like I thought how I felt about my body was something that we all go through. Um, and so, yeah, I, I literally like didn't know that it was something that I had at the time. That's so, uh, that's so interesting. Did yeah. You, can I just ask a little bit more about that? So if you would like, it was it also, was it just the mirror or was it also like photos? Like if you'd see yourself next to friends, did you think they looked normal and you did not? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would always stand in photos um, in ways that would make me look quote unquote skinny. Um, I also was very conscious of, you know, my arms and my legs um, making sure that I didn't wear anything that was, um, you know, that would make me look quote unquote fat. Um, and yeah, anytime I looked at myself in pictures, I would throw pictures away because I'm like, this is terrible. It's horrible. I look fat. I don't even want to keep it. Oh, um, so it hurts me. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, thank you. I mean, it's looking back. I mean, it's, it's, you know, uh, I had so much hate for my body and, it got to the point where I literally was so conscious of my body in the sense where I would sit and I would be like, oh my gosh, my fat roll is hanging over my pants. And so it became just this like constant, like in my head all of the time. Um, and it was in the front of my head and it got to the point where even when I moved in with my husband um, four years ago in California, where, you know, you don't really recognize when you live alone um, your habits because you don't really have anyone else to kind of like point them out. You think that right. this is what you do. And he would catch me passing the mirror and like grabbing my like hip fat or like grabbing my arm fat and like having this like scowl on my face. But for me, it was so normal. It was like a normal reaction that I like always had whenever I passed a mirror. It was like getting up and brushing your teeth. Like it's something you don't even think about. Right. And your husband uh, was just like, what are you doing? Yeah. And he was like, what are you doing? You're beautiful. Like, stop. You know, he's like, you're hating on yourself so much. And I think that was kind of the point where I was like, wow, this this is like really gone kind of too far. Um like what what is it that I can do to to address this? Um, but then, like all throughout this time, from like high school through currently, I've also been like really athletic. Um, 
So I also was never, you know, I, I was trying to be this athletic person, but then also trying to fit into this mold of what I feel society has told women were supposed to look like. Um, so I never had a thigh gap. Um, and, you know, I always had larger legs because I played soccer um, and I've competed in strongman competitions. I've done triathlons, ultra marathons, um, and I've always loved to move my body. But then yet I was always up against this wall of like, well, I need to fit into this other mold. Um, was there, was it, were those linked at all? Were you doing all the athletic stuff in order to try to look different or was it, you loved it and also you had this body image issue? It was definitely a little bit of both. Um, I think I, I truly, truly love to move my body. It's really important to me. Um, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel happy. It's part of who I am. It's part of, um, you know, how I identify myself. Um, I think more so in probably my college years, um, I definitely like I wasn't doing any racing or playing any sports, um, because I was so focused on school. Um, at that time I was definitely working out for the sake of like, well, I went out last night and drank too much beer. So it looks like I should probably work out to like maintain my, my image. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think I more so now, um, I don't really connect the movement with, with my image, um, and with my body image. It was more so for me, um, back in a time when I didn't have anything to really focus on athletically that it kind of took that turn. I see. Um, but also in the midst of all of this too, um, I started off, um, when I was 19, um, I think started dabbling in diets. Um, I've done everything. I've done vegan, vegetarian. I've gone paleo, um, low carb. I was, you know, part of the low fat movement. Um, and while I'm not saying any of these ways of eating are, you know, negative or bad in any sense, but it was the way that I was using them. Um, right. I was, you know, like, I'm going to try this. I'm going to demonize one nutrient and see what happens. Like, hopefully I'll lose, you know, hopefully I'll lose some weight. That's actually a really good point. Like, it's it's really not about the pros and cons of the different, like, eating plans. Like, it's you can be healthy eating all those ways if you if you want to. But it's how you relate to those eating habits and those eating patterns. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I also realized that I was defining myself constantly by my ability to stick to one of one of the diets. And so if I failed, you know, of course, I was like, okay, well, I'm a terrible person. I'm never going to lose the last like five or 10 pounds. Um, and it just kind of continued in this like really unhealthy cycle of just bouncing back and forth between different diets and continuing to fail because nothing, nothing truly stuck. Like nothing was sustainable or felt sustainable for me and nothing really was true or like really what I wanted. Um, and so, um, to kind of connect where I am, you know, today, 
Um, back in 2010, um, I knew that I wanted to go back to school um, to become a registered dietitian. And I was still living in Chicago at the time, and I was trying to make different career moves in order to make that happen. Um, but then I ended up moving to California in 2011. Um, and, you know, still up until this point, I was still, you know, I was still really active, you know, around 2010, 2011, I was, I was really in the heart of my racing. I was doing triathlons and running marathons and such, but I still kind of had this, this, the body dysmorphia was still like a very large part of my life. And I still had really no understanding of proper nutrition um, and still was kind of bouncing around from diet to diet. Um, And that sounds so miserable. It truly was. And again, it's, you know, hindsight is 2020. And it's like, I look back and I just, you know, I feel really bad for that self that I was back then. Like, I just wanted to give myself a hug. Um, Because it's it's so hard. I mean, those things like, so having the the body dysmorphia and having the diets and feeling like you're always failing at that, plus the training. I mean, when you're training, you need fuel. And Mm -hmm. I I just imagine, well, I know from experience also (laughs) that like, (laughs) like that, that combination is so damaging because you're, it just wears you down. You, You don't have what you need. And and, and you feel like you're failing all at the same time. And even though you really don't have any, like you're, you're, you're just doing too much. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really, you know, I look back and, uh, you know, with the knowledge I have now and I'm like, man, I probably was not even supporting my body for the things that I was doing. Um, you know, and it was, it was hard. I still was in this point where I couldn't separate my weight and like what I saw in the mirror, um, they were both very synonymous. And so when I moved to California, um, I had talked with my husband and I was like, okay, I really want to make this move to go back to school. Um, I have this like just really deep interest for learning more about nutrition in general. Um, and you know, this comes five years after graduate school and completely did a career switch. Hmm. Um, And so I remember very, very clearly I was in a bookstore and it was 2011. I picked up Gary Tobbs' book, Why We Get Fat. Um, It was my first kind of exposure to all of the like lies that were told consistently um, about what's healthy, what's not, and how political our food system is. And... I read the book probably in a matter of days and I was angry and excited and angry (laughs) Um, and I dove headfirst after that into everything nutrition. Um, I started taking nutrition classes. Um, I became a personal trainer um, to start working with people on their own training. Um, I became a a certified nutrition coach, um, in 2013. Um, and then I also, you know, started taking my prerequisites for my RD program. I'm curious, what was your, at that point, so you read Tobbs. So Tobbs Mm -hmm. is, for those who don't know, he, 
He was one of the pioneers and did a lot of the research on how on the and the values of basically high fat, low carbohydrate eating style. Let's say. Um, and but you know he's he's also a very polarizing character. But I, I admire him quite a bit. I think I think he did very important work. Uh, and I also read his book and got angry at the food industry. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, so for you. What was, as you're going through school and as you're like working on this stuff, like what was your take on nutrition at that point? Um, my take on nutrition at that point in time was, um, this is all very confusing. Um, there's so much out there. There's so much information that's thrown at us, um, through marketing and then through, um, you know, people on TV who are talking about quick fixes. And I still like my, my understanding of nutrition, um, at the fundamental level was still very new. Um, but after had reading that, it kind of opened the doors to there's so much more I have to learn. There's so much more I want to learn because I feel that this empowerment of understanding, like what I'm putting into my body, um, is so powerful. Um, and I knew that it in some fundamental way was going to help me work through everything I also was kind of dealing with. Um, and of course, you know, I, I never want anyone to think that like I went through this whole experience on my own. I mean, I of course went to therapy, um, and I had people that I had spoken to, um, about, you know, everything I was going through. So, it was kind of a, a multiple pronged approach on addressing this. Um, but I, you know, became really, really excited after, you know, starting mm -hmm. to do research and reading at the prospect of helping others and helping others understand more about nutrition and how powerful it is. Um, and, you know, then as I started digging more on nutrition and nutrition science, I picked up, um, or I started actually reading Summer Tomato uh, back in early 2013. And it was my first exposure to habit change. Um, I, you know, started browsing through your website. And what drew me in was, you know, the whole section on habits. And I was like, hold on a second. Like, this is it. Like, this is the key. Um, like, this is what's kind of missing. And this is what's missing for my own life. You know, I've spent so much time, like, focusing on, like, drinking shakes and bars and doing things that I didn't have to think about and, you know, running myself into the ground and trying diets, but I never really addressed my lifestyle. Hmm. Um, cool. And yeah. And so after I read your blog, I then picked up Foodist. And <laughs> funny story about Foodist is I actually was, um, when I first read it, I was in Tahiti um, for work. And well, that's an awesome job. <laughs> I know, right? Um, it was a great experience. I'm very grateful <laughs> for it. But I was sitting here on the beach reading Foodist, and I had, like, my journal. I, I love to write. My first major, actually, is um, I have a master's in English. So I'm sitting here, like, writing away in my journal of, like, all of your great ideas and things that, like, really just spoke to me. And my husband's like, 
Julie, we're in Tahiti. Will you please put the book down? And I'm like, no, like I'm almost done. I finished the book in Tahiti. Um, Amazing. Yeah. I'm in the middle of changing my life. Right? So... You know, and I was just like, I, you know, again, was just completely blown away by this idea of, of lifestyle change. And it really made me think about where my body dysmorphia was coming from and how connected I had been to diets and how those two kind of fed into each other. Hmm. Um and I was like, okay, I really, really need to, to focus on this idea of habit change. But I think before that came, um, I started, I started really after reading your book, thinking about my goals. And I was like, well, what is my goal? Because I constantly am sitting here like, I need to lose the last five or 10 pounds. Um, and I, I sat and I was like, well, what would that really do for me? Mm. Um, Good like, question. What? Yeah. And how would that really change how I feel? Um, and what would it allow me to do? So and I think it's it's easy for a lot of us to get caught up in the, the last five or ten pounds. Um and I, it's, you know, an important question that I ask a lot of my own clients um, within coaching um, is, you know, I never, you know, I will never tell someone like, don't have a weight loss goal, like absolutely have a weight loss goal, but really think about what, what does that last five or 10 pounds mean? And, right. and what, what kind of answers are critical there? Because a lot of people just stop, I would be happy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or I always, you know, I get, you know, a lot of people including myself when I was first approaching this question with myself, like I was like, well, I'm going to fit into that pair of pants I wanted to fit into, or I'm going to look better in pictures. And then I started, you know, really digging deep and I'm like, well, really is, is that, is that really what I want? Um, and I feel that the answers that are critical to those questions are really like the deep motivations um, of really, really digging, digging deep of like, okay, where's, where's this going to bring me? Mm -hmm. And Uh, your values even. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And like, where is my happiness coming from? Um, Mm. And where's this, like, how is this going to change my life? Um, Because I feel often that five or 10 pounds is connected to, to life changing when is it truly, is it truly going to be life changing for you? And is there something else that, that needs to be addressed? And for me, it obviously was changing my mindset, um, around my body and around, instead of looking at diets, paying attention to my lifestyle and for me, how I feel. Um, so I started actually, you know, looking at goals differently and I was like, okay, now that like losing, I know losing the last five or 10 pounds isn't a goal that isn't going to work for me. And because diets don't work for me, like I can't keep going back to the same narrative over and over. This isn't my narrative. Um, I needed to recreate it. And I was like, so what's, what's hindering me? And I started thinking about the idea of goals in the sense that 
you know, usually when I set goals, and I think many of us do this, we're like, okay, if we relate it to weight, my goal is to lose, you know, X amount of weight, we'll just say 10 pounds. And how are you going to get there? Well, I'm going to restrict this. I'm, you know, going to not eat that. And I'm going to start including more of this. Um, And I was like, I'm going about this all wrong. Um, I need to start thinking about what it is that I'm willing to compromise. Because when we look at goals in the sense of, just outcomes and how we're going to get there, um, we forget the bigger piece of what reach. It costs. Yeah, exactly. And so when I started thinking about all the diets and all the things that I was doing over the years, I was failing because I was the cost wasn't worth it to me. Like my time with my friends means a lot. Um, going out to eat, I love going out to eat. Um, I like my wine on Friday nights after a long week. Um, I like chocolate. I like to have the freedom of choosing what I want. And I was like, am I willing to compromise that? It's a great point. And you know what? Like almost everybody ignores how much they value that freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that spent- spontaneity. I mean, that's, that's really priceless. And, and yeah, that's what we pay when we decide to do a diet. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, this, this, this is not going to work for me anymore. And I'm not, I'm not willing to make that compromise. Um, and you know, and with that came the shift of like, well, this is what I choose. This is not what I have to do. Um, talk more about that. Um, (laughs) so I, you know, I think again, like many of us who kind of get stuck in the diet cycle, it was more of, well, these are, all the rules you have to follow and you have to do this. And if you don't, you know, diets kind of set you up for this idea of, well, if you can't follow it, you're going to fail. So why bother? Um, there was, there was never the idea of, well, this is what I choose. Um, it was always like, well, these are the rules I have to follow. And if I don't, well, then I'm just, I'm not good enough or I'm not going to be able to do this and I'm not going to be able to reach my goals. Whereas when I kind of, rewrote my own narrative it was the narrative that I chose and I was like this is the path that I want to choose and this is the way that I'm going to go um and putting myself kind of in the driver's seat was really important for me and for me to move forward from um my body dysmorphia and knowing that it wasn't connected um to my inability to to follow a diet um and so (laughs) thank you I mean that no seriously like that that shift is so key, you know, and and I think it's very difficult for people to make it consciously uh, for a lot of reasons, and everybody has their own reasons um, for wanting the pressure to come from outside mm-hmm. and actually wanting it, preferring it. Um, especially women, I feel like oftentimes it's uh, it's easier almost to let somebody else decide, you know, cause we, women tend to be more, um, communal and like social and people pleasers. You know, it's, it's a, it's an off, it's a free common thing. I hear women say that they're people pleasers. And part of that is fitting into society in a way that you, ex- they think, or the way that you think they expect. And, um, it can take a, it takes a tremendous amount of courage to say, you know what, this part, my body, this part's up to me. 
Yeah, it was it was a really poignant moment, um, I think, for me, and it felt really powerful. Um, and it also it also allowed me because in the midst of all this, still like having still continuing to be really active and doing CrossFit um, and having that supportive community and continuing to, you know, run races and do strongman competitions and weightlifting. I was completely ignoring the fact that my body was giving me this ability to do such amazing things. Hmm. Um, and really within combination of looking at my goals and kind of reshaping them into what made sense for me and looking at the compromises I was willing to make. Um, and also kind of changing my, my view of really what my body is providing me, um, regardless of how much, you know, or how much I weigh or what the scale says, um, you know, and I was like, I'm healthy and I, you know, and I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, the fact that I could move my body and I could work out like cured me and made me feel better. And it was like the end all be all because it's never that simple. Um, but I think when you're in the diet mindset, like it's so easy to just get caught up, you know, as, as you know, on that, like that number on that scale. This is a uh -huh. huge, profound change. Yeah. I mean, you've basically gone from describing walking by any mirror and scowling and judging to truly loving and appreciating your body. And one of the reasons it's so profound is like we talk about our bodies as if they like don't belong to us, but it's you. Mm -hmm. And when you scowl at your body, you're scowling at yourself. And yeah. And when you learn to appreciate your body, you're appreciating yourself. Absolutely. And I think, I think that's a great point too, because for a long time I would look in the mirror and I would want to disconnect myself from my body. And now when I look in the mirror, um, you know, especially when I'm, you know, at the gym doing CrossFit and I'm like, holy cow, it's me. Like, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I can actually look at pictures of myself and feel excited. And even though I'm, you know, I, I'm, not the the cover of any magazine or, you know, I'm not, you know, what I feel I think society perpetuates as the quote unquote perfect woman. Um, I'm okay with that um, because that's not my goal. That's not, that's not what I want to live up to. Um, and, you know, after I, after I kind of look, you know, I did a deep dive and a deep look at all of that. Um, you know, I utilized everything I started to learn and read about on, on habits. And I was like, okay, I need to step out of this diet mindset and I need to, to create habits that are sustainable and that make sense for me and that fit into my lifestyle. Um, and it really honestly just influenced me to really want to focus on behavior change within working with my own clients. I'm a health coach as well. And for me, the behavior piece is so important. Um, and everything that I learned, you know, from Summer Tomato and from Foodist, and as well as kind of just really grabbing any book I can on, um, on behavior change. And, you know, I'm in the middle of my registered dietitian program as well. Um, has really fueled me to want to help other people um, 
to become mindful of their own bodies and of their own choices and why these choices are being made. Um, That's amazing. And yeah, I mean, so it's, you've it's, taken this from, from, you know, sort of your own personal struggle to being something that's bigger than you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really been a special, a special journey. And I think that's why I, I'm literally so busy all of the time um, with, you know, with school and I, you know, with being a health coach and as well as um, I work for Omada Health, which is a startup in San Francisco, we're doing great things digitally with helping to prevent um, chronic disease. And I, there's nothing more, there's nothing that makes me happier um, than knowing that I can help people who have who have gone through a similar situation as me and who are kind of caught up in the diet, the diet cycle. Um, that's so, that's so fantastic. Can I ask, um, so do you feel at this point that your body dysmorphia is no, you don't have it anymore? Um, I would probably say I'm about 90, 95%, you know, I guess you could say recovered. Um, there are still moments where I kind of catch myself um, being a little bit judgmental of myself, um, more so in a matter. I know that we we all are, I believe, judgmental of ourselves to an extent, yeah, um, especially especially women. But yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so I I would say for the most part um, I am much better. Um, it does sneak in sometimes, however. I, I find that when I, I do start hearing those voices come back, um, what has helped me is reminding myself that I'm doing everything I can to be healthy and to feel good. Um, and that's all I can, that's all I can really do. And throughout this entire process, um, I never lost any weight. And I never lost the, you know, last five or 10 pounds. Um, you know, I feel like a lot of success stories in general, when we talk about health as a society is always wrapped around this idea of like, well, you know, it has to be attached to some number that you lost on the scale. Um, but my, my story isn't, you know, at first I thought it was going to be um, when I was going through this journey, I was like, well, I'm going to lose weight and it's going to be awesome. Um and it turned out that, you know, it, it was never about the weight for me. And it was about making that shift mentally. Um, and I, I really appreciate you saying that because there, that, that's one of the reasons I do this on the show. Um, I hear, you know, I, I obviously, obviously have been doing this, the blog thing for a long time. And I hear from readers all the time and almost never is the best part of the weight loss. You know, for some people that can be life-changing, especially if, if they had gotten in, their bodies in a very unhealthy place. But, but especially for a chronic dieter, it's the, the ending of the suffering that is so profoundly life-changing. And, you know, you, I mean, we both had a similar experience. Like, I changed my career. It was so life-changing. You changed your career. It was so life-changing. I lost a couple of pounds. You didn't. Like, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter um, because you're happy again. Yeah. 
And that yeah. is success, you know, and then like success could come in so, so many different forms. I mean, learning how to cook, that changes people's lives, you know, yes. <laughs> like <laughs> mindful eating changes people's lives. There's a lot of like success means, you know, it's up to you at the end of the day. I mean, it can, it can look like a million different things. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that was, it was a big, it was a big realization for me too, um, that I, again, you know, rewrote that narrative. I was like, okay, this weight loss doesn't have to be the answer. And I, I knew that it wasn't for me at least. Um, I needed to, to, to make a bigger shift, um, to support me for the rest of, for the rest of my life. And if at some point I'm like, you know what, I do want to lose weight. I know that I'm in a good place of, okay, I, I can do this in, in a, in a healthy way in such a way that makes sense for me where I'm not, you know, depriving myself. Um, and so, you know, I, I just work every day to, to be more mindful, um, not just of, you know, my choices, um, but mindful of how I feel and mindful of, um, I guess just more so of, you know, my daily choices of what I do and everything. Um, and not so hyper-focused on what's going to happen when I walk by a mirror or what's going to happen if, if I, if I don't lose that last five or 10 pounds. So, so, so you said that you think your body dysmorphia is much better. Do you think that came from that, that shift of mindset of saying that, look at these amazing things my body can do as opposed to just focus, just looking in the mirror and focusing on how you don't match up to some other standard. Is that, do you think that's where the resolution came from? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it definitely came from a, a, a part of a, learning to appreciate more of like what I'm actually capable of. Um, and again, I mean, this also came with like combined you know, working with a therapist, um, and also having the support of people who have been through similar situations and knowing I wasn't alone. Um, but it definitely helped, um, because given that I've been so active and so, you know, athletic throughout my life, it was, it it is a very important part of me. Um, and I, again, completely just, threw that to the back burner where I was like, well, whatever, anyone can do this. And it's like, well, no, not everyone can do this. <laughs> right. Um, and it really helped me just shift my focus from, you know, oh, you know, can I fit into this pair of pants to, well, can I, you know, I'm excited to put these pants on and like go climb a mountain. Like, <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely helped to change that. And I know it's not the answer for everyone. There's never there's never one answer um, for everyone's situation. Um, but for me, it was really, it really helped um, me learn how to love my body. Um, and at that point, like, who needs to lose? Like, <laughs> like I'm just, uh, I was just, I'm thinking that the, the last five to 10 pounds that you're okay with, them now is um that's almost the same as resolving the body dysmorphia yeah yeah no I can I completely agree and and throughout all of this though I mean you know this is really kind of the the first time that I'm I'm sharing I mean I kind of suffered through this very silently for a very long time and like I said I didn't even really 
realize that I had, um, you know, body dysmorphia until probably a few years ago when I was doing a lot more research on nutrition and just behavior change. Um, but you know, it's, I'm a lot more aware of it now and, you know, I know what would trigger it. Um, but I also, you know, am I'm really excited to come so far into a better, a better place. Um, and which is why also, um, you know, I, I want to help more people, um, understand that like dieting doesn't need to be the way and suffering doesn't need to be the way and self-hate doesn't need to be the way. Um, and so powerful. Yeah. And it's, it's hard. It's hard. I'm sure as you know, there's many of us go through the same challenge. Um, and so, you know, it's why I commend you so much and love you so much because I feel like that, um, you know, you help others rewrite their narrative as well, which is very powerful. Thank you. Um, for, for people out there who might be listening to you and thinking, wow, I wonder if I have body dysmorphia, can you, so, I mean, it sounds like you have some, like a, a firsthand experience as well as some actual like clinical experience with uh, helping uh, people recognize when they have it. Can you give us some ideas of what signs there might be if somebody should be thinking that they might need more than just to stop dieting, they might need therapy or, or professional help in some way? Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, again, it looks different for every person. Um, but a lot of it, you know, if you're focusing a lot on, you know, one, one particular, like what you think is a flaw, um, and it's just a constant focus. And, you know, for example, um, maybe it's, if you have cellulite and it's something that you're, you're constantly thinking about and looking at in the mirror and covering up, um, and it's, it's something that you feel hinders even, for example, um, you know, for me, this happened, um, any type of like intimate relationships because you're afraid this person will see this flaw that you have, um, you know, or it could show itself as, um, like you, like we talked about earlier, like not wanting to be in, in photos or constant comparison to other people, um, and seeing things, you know, when you look in the mirror, um, that really aren't there or, you know, don't exist. You know, for example, um, when I started having body dysmorphia in high school, I thought I, you know, I, I had thought I was fat and I look at pictures now and you could see my hip bones. Like Mm -hmm. I was not fat, but I saw someone who was overweight and a fat person whenever I looked in the mirror. Um, it just becomes like a very pervasive part of your thoughts. I think all of us again have somewhat of, we, we see something that might not necessarily be true. Mm -hmm. Um, but when it becomes just something that you're constantly thinking about um, and something that is really hard to ignore and keeps coming back, um, yeah, so when you're, so, so sort of like a, more of like an obsessive fixation on one yeah, particular yeah. In, insecurity basically, or yeah, yeah. flaw. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then, and for treatment for something like that, is it, is it, do you go, should you go to a registered dietitian? Should you go to a therapist? Like, are there, what is there a specific health professionals who focus on that topics like that? Yeah. I mean, I would recommend a therapist, um, 
you know, registered dietitian, excuse me, registered dietitians are great um, to talk to you about, you know, nutrition questions and medical nutrition therapy. Um, and some of them do have, you know, eating disorder focuses, but I think it's, you know, it's much more helpful to see someone um, who is a therapist who has, you know, a little bit more um, experience and kind of diving deeper into the psychological side of it. Um, yeah, it's really encouraging that, I mean, you were able to sort of free yourself of that because it, it's like prison. It is. It truly is. Um, you know, and I guess it's been a while since I've really, I've really thought of the word prison in the sense of, of relating it to body dysmorphia, body dysmorphia, but it, it truly is, you know, I mean, I think about the times when I was, would go shopping and I'm like, well, I look so fat in that. There's no way I'm buying that and hiding myself, you know, from, from others and wearing baggy clothes and not really being myself. It was, it was a terrible feeling. Yeah. Uh, My so. friend Sarah Jenks refers to it as body jail. <laughs> you feel like you're stuck in a body that you don't want. Um, she has a great website too, by the way, about body acceptance and things like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very powerful mind shift when you can stop seeing yourself that way and, and see you for the amazing person you really are. Cause we all are amazing in some way. Yeah. 100%. Well, I am so happy for you, Julie. That's, that's such a wonderful story and thank you for sharing it with us. Um, yeah, is there Thanks. anything else you'd like to add? Um, you know, I, I of course want to thank you for having me on. Um, but I think I think the last thing that I want to say is, you know, I want others out there to to realize that you know you don't have to be in prison. Um, you don't have to be a prisoner of your own body, and it is possible to make sustainable, healthy changes in your life without feeling like you're trapped by a diet or trapped by, um, you know, what I feel society sees as what we should be. Um, write your own narrative, um, set your own goals and do what makes the most sense for you. And what makes the most sense for you this week may not make the most sense for you next week. This is such a, it's a journey. It's a learning experience. Um, and I think one of the most important things that I learned on my own journey is that, um, it's a constant work in progress. Um, it never ends. Um, you know, even if you see someone walking down the street who you perceive to, to have the perfect body, um, they also have to work at it all of the time. Um, and so I think, you know, don't give up and, you know, keep working towards, you know, your own story and rewrite your own story and rewrite it over and over again until, until you are happy. So that's what's most important. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Julie. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Foodist Podcast. I'm Daria Rose. And if you're interested in upgrading your own health style, learning how to get healthy and lose weight without dieting and without all of the suffering that it brings, then head over to my website, Summer Tomato, and sign up for my weekly newsletter. When you sign up, you'll get a free starter kit that'll teach you the basics of how to start changing the way you think about food, health, and weight loss. 
You'll also get a free chapter from my book, Foodist, called The Myth of Willpower that explains the science behind why the no pain, no gain mantra of the weight loss industry is the absolute worst approach to getting healthy. So come over to Summer Tomato and sign up. We have a fantastic community and we would love, love, love to have you. Thanks for listening and I will see you next time.